Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hello, everybody. It's Friday, and you know what that means. It's time for the Snyder Cut. I made it to Episode 5. Haven't been canceled yet by Mark Fernandez. Joining me today is my scoop brethren, Umberto Gonzalez from The Wrap. You know him as El Mayimbe. How's it hanging, man? Hey, you. Thanks for uh, having me on. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate it. Um, so it was a busy week. Man, it was a busy oh. a busy day the other day when we had basically Spider-Man and The Matrix news. Huge news on both franchises breaking within like 20 minutes of each other. I know. I felt bad for Justin when he broke that because I've been there. Like, you think you? Oh, he got totally overshadowed, right? That happened to me. That happened to me. Uh, like five years ago when I broke Bradley Cooper playing Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy, I thought I had the world on my shoulders. I had the big scoop of the day, and then maybe twenty minutes later, Bat, uh, Ben Affleck announces Batman. The press release came out. You were first. That was the same day. Wow. That was the same day, so I've been there, man. I know what it's like to like get a, a big scoop buried by an even bigger scoop. You know? Wow, that's crazy. And we're going to talk about The Matrix uh, plenty shortly, but let's start with this crazy Spider-Man drama. It's been – it's ongoing. Wouldn't, would you say that, like, has the, has the so-called dust settled? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've never seen spin from one side like I have professionally in this situation, I'm sure. Yes. You could attest. Lot, a, lot of, a lot of water carrying going on. My goodness, man. It's like, wow. Wow. And it's painfully <laughs> obvious. But, uh, and, but I give props to Fleming for recognizing the spin and calling it like it is. You know, he stuck to his guns and his story. I mean, we, you know, he's that's why he's still the man, and he's been doing it what almost thirty years. So. And listen, absolutely. That that you know, I think it was Jeff Boucher uh, today who wrote like De- Deadline broke the the biggest industry scoop of the year, so to speak. And I was like, really? And then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty big yesterday. I feel like, or not yet, not yesterday, but the other day. Um, I feel I felt like all ten trending topics on Twitter were related to Spider Man. It was like all hell broke loose. Yeah, no, absolutely. The nine, the first, I, I remember. Yeah, the first nine top, the top, the nine trending topics were all Sony Spider-Man, safe Spider-Man related, and the Matrix was the last one. Like they were in ten position. I'm like, oh my god, busy fanboy day. Yeah, busy news for fanboy. I don't, I don't yeah. sense the same hunger necessarily from Fleming, but when he turns it on, whether he's like you know covering a festival or when he really digs into something uh, like like he did on the Spider-Man, Marvel, Disney, Sony front. Uh, yeah, right. he's he's still got the goods. Yeah, my thing I've been trying to figure out is who does who. I mean, obviously it was leaked. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what yes, I and I think wrong. it was definitely leaked by Disney. Yeah, so who has who benefits from this by leaking? You know, so didn't really make anybody yeah. look very good. That's why I think this is a lose lose, and why I feel like they have to come to some kind of resolution. I re- I agree. There is lose. However. I mean, Sony, I mean, it's their biggest IP and they have, you know, it's a priority project for them. You know, it just made, it's the most successful film in their, the history of their slate, you know. So basically they, they want to get cracking on another one to get it out in the next two, three years. Sure. Are they going to work it out? Hmm. Interesting. I think down the line they might. I mean, think about it. Uh, Feige announced 11 projects at Comic-Con. I'll keep them busy for the next two years. Mm-hmm. However, Sony... This is their biggest IP in the history of their film slate, and obviously they have a need that they want to get another one going in the next two, three years, so it's right. a priority project for them. I could see the spin 
on their side, like, you know, we got to see both sides. I can see the spin on their side where it's like Kevin Feige's not available to produce an IP he doesn't own. Do you, I don't agree with it. I'm pretty sure he has the time to... to really? Because it's pretty believable that, they, that this guy wouldn't have the time. Like, he definitely has his hands full, don't you think? Right, but it's basically what he does. It's what he does best is a creative lead producer. He'll right. get drafts of the script. He'll give his notes. His team will give notes. The Marvel Parliament will give notes. They're, they they have the time. I, I'm just he saying it's understandable to me why Disney wouldn't want to loan a guy like that out for f- when they're only getting five percent. Would you? That's the you know that's the that's the, that's the Tom Brady of. Uh, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I, I would say no, Kevin. We want you focused on the projects that that we're standing the profit from. Right. Um, now, I do see Sony's side and not giving up half the trap. Of course not. Half would be insane. It, you would never do a, a 50-50 co-fi on this. So, But we've seen, and literally, they are literally negotiating in the press because the first figure the deadline put out was 50-50. Then Hollywood right. Reporter comes in at 30. And then yesterday, right. Matt Donnelly at Variety Donald. comes in yeah. and says that Tom Rothman would be willing to go as high as 25%, which to me suggests that maybe he came in around 20 Like that, I feel like that should be doable for Sony, given how, you know, the Marvel brand has really lifted this franchise. I, I mean, what do you think? Uh, yes. I mean, it has the... They both help each other out, basically. Spider-Man. I agree. I agree because they, yes. yeah, right. Sony's character has helped uh, Avengers: Endgame and, and that kind of stuff. And event in Infinity War as well. He's yes. been an integral part of the story. And then on the opposite end, him being part of the MCU has elevated Sony's Spider-Man movies to profitability. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they but one they both help each other out. You know, and that and the fans, you know, as as vocal as they sound. How you know they they want to see Spider Man interacting with Captain America and Iron Man and whatnot, but I do think he served the story purpose up until up until Avengers Endgame, and they did and Far From Home did end with a cliffhanger. Now the problem is how they're going to answer that cliffhanger in that post credit scene. But going forward, um, there's not really a story need at the moment for the next two years for Spider Man to be in the, in MCU. the MCU. I see what you mean. Right, so they got time. They have time to mm-hmm. work this out. And maybe 2022 or 23, there'll be another Spider-Man movie or whatnot. Right. Who knows what position Sony's going to be in as a studio, which is why I posited on Movie Talk earlier this week. And and tell me what you think of this, okay? So when you really do the math, Umberto, let's say – and we're not going to use Homecoming, which made like a billion-plus dollars and is like an absolute best-case scenario for Sony. But look at Far From Home, $880 worldwide, right? So they keep half of that, and the theaters get half, right? Right. So that's 440. Well, I, what? I don't know if they get half. I'm pretty sure Disney has a special arrangement. So, so Disney does. Make, Disney yeah. does. Uh, but Sony doesn't. Ah, right. Okay. I mean, it's still Sony well, distribution and all that. So let's just assume. I mean, uh, listen, I could be off 50 million or whatever, but 440 million dollars. It probably costs 300 million to make and market the movie. 175 million production budget, 125 marketing. So you're making 150 million dollar profit roughly. And there's ancillaries and all that, but you're also not getting the merchandising stuff because Disney has those rights already, right? So you're making Correct. 150 to $200 million profit on Far From Home. Would you sell – now? You, you, it, so basically it would cost you – it would take you 10 Spider-Man movies to gross $2 billion, right? $200 million Correct. profit times 10 movies, $2 billion. Would you, if you were Sony, just take that $2 billion right now and sell – 
Spider-Man and Venom and all those characters and just give everything, put it all back under, you know, the the, the Marvel brand. Would you sell Spider-Man for $2 billion? I think Spider-Man as an IP is worth $4 billion. Look what Hasbro paid yesterday for an IP I never even heard of. Right, E1, you know? yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, think about it. I mean, but I think Spider-Man, I mean, every, I know a lot of dads, a lot of fanboy dads, and all their little boys have more Spider-Man toys than anything else. So they're making good money. Uh, they're making good money on the merchandising. But uh, I think if Sony sells off the film unit, I'm pretty sure Marvel will be in the running to at least acquire the Spider-Man IP and the 900 characters that, it, that they control for at least, two, like you said, two, maybe $4 billion. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I think $4 billion is high. $2 billion may have been low. I, think th- I, think, I honestly think Spider-Man is worth $3 billion. Um, that may be the perfect figure. And I think if I was Sony, I'd, I'd really consider selling at that at that kind of price um just because of however every, what i'm starting to no no no, no, no keep going okay, what does what does sony have left we're now in the ip business right we exactly then they IP. don't have a tent pole so look, i know what you mean right that that is the, that is the no problem IP? yeah what other ip do they have that they could monetize they're trying to do that with masters of the universe right now they're trying to do that they tried it with the men in black but studios to survive against a behemoth that is Disney, you need some sort of branded IP. So, in, but like in the superhero space or video games. And space. I completely yeah. agree with you, and that's why they may never part with Sony because that is sort of all they have. But when you're looking at, you know, an army of 500, like, you know, all these Avengers and all these characters, and then you just have Spider-Man and Venom on the other mm-hmm. side, at some point, do they wave the white flag? You know what I'm saying? Do they just surrender? Uh, I think they'll... I mean, Tom is... We've been covering for years. He's indeed a shrewd negotiator. But think about this as well. Those Spider-Man movies had the benefit of an Avengers movie coming right before it Mm -hmm. or right after it. Okay, so think about Endgame. The last Far From Home was technically a quasi-sequel to Endgame. Right. That's why why people turned out in droves to see it. Even me. I wanted to see how they handled the events. Right, how that story was handled. Right. Yeah. And this and Civil War led into like everybody, all the Marvel MCU fans went to see these Spider-Man movies because it's a continuation of the bigger story at large, you know. Now, what happens now that let's say for sake of conversation they don't work it out and Spider-Man goes off on his own and eventually fight Venom or whatnot? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they'll, you know, I, there's going to be money lost. I don't think on his own, without a lead-in, an Avengers lead-in, the movie can make the same kind of money. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm of the belief it can't. Right. And, and and that's why I'm saying where it's like, man, if if something as successful as Far From Home and you're only coming away with a $150, $200 million profit, like there are so many scenarios in which that movie, uh, you know, th- these upcoming Spider-Man movies don't gross as much, that uh, Morbius, the vampire, whatever it is, don't doesn't gross as much. I don't know. It's just... It's, it, 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 Sony, well, Sony's in a tough spot, but I, I definitely think that Disney was getting greedy. No, absolutely. I agree. I think it, it's all about the bucks. But... Like Morbius, for example, it's it's a risky bet for them mm-hmm. because think Morbius as a comic didn't even work with the initial audience. As right. a comic, it only sold a couple issues and was canceled for lack of sales. Sure, they got a very sexy, handsome star in Jared Leto, but I don't think the I, I mean, and they could make it a probably a successful vampire movie, but that's a risky move. A lot of these characters didn't work on their own. What would you develop if you were over there and or you had Palak Patel's ear, whoever's in charge of the stuff over there, what would you say you got to make? Because to me, it's Sinister Six. Like, what are they waiting for? 
they should they should make a Sinister Six movie. I personally am a big Craven the Hunter fan. Is one mm-hmm. of the best Spider-Man stories of the last thirty years, with covers by my favorite artist Mike Zek. But it was a great story. I do think they should introduce. I mean, why have a Craven the Hunter spinoff film? Introduce him in the next Spider-Man movie. Maybe adapt that storyline uh, from the comics back in the eighties, and then uh, and then you know, and then you do some sort of Sinister Six movie or something along those lines. That, it, like some sort of their version of a team-up movie, and then eventually bring in Venom as well. Would you... Venom and Spider-Man have, have to face each other eventually. It's mm-hmm. inevitable. So, so let's talk about the talent here. I mean, is Tom Holland under contract? Do you understand that, or is he? You know, I was only under contract to make the 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 to play Spider Man when Marvel was involved. Like, could he walk? Now, everybody's got different reporting from Deadline to Variety, THR. One saying he's got an option, the other one saying he's tied in for two. Uh, I'm pretty sure he signed initially when he first started when they came out in civil war that he had like a two, three picture deal with options for a couple of others, like these Marvel contracts are, I don't know the specifics. Mm -hmm. However, um, I'm pretty sure he's very divided. And there was an interview that appeared on collider two years ago that everybody ran about how he, he, you know, how he's vested in the MCU. Like, you know, he's, I I mean, think about it as an actor. He, he hung out with all the cool kids. He was on set there with Evans. He was on set there with, with Paul Rudd and Robert Downey Jr. And Chris, he was like the kid tagging along with all the other cool kids. And now he's not one of the cool can kids you really see him? Outcast. Can you really see him, though, walking away from this role when, you know, he's had, coming off a billion-dollar movie? Like, I feel like that stuff only happens when something fails. My thing is I have a feeling he's still locked down for something and he can't legally break that contract or mm-hmm. sue him. But if he if if the if he has an option if there's just an option that they don't exercise he could totally walk away. I don't I just don't I don't think he has confidence in that studio on their own to execute mm-hmm. you know without Feige's creative guidance. Um, John Watts, same same question. Like, is is this guy going to come back, or is he even more likely to walk because he's not necessarily tied down to to the franchise? In his situation, I think he walks. He he was brought on by Feige. He's loyal to Feige. He'll. I mean, we see him at all. Right. He he could go over to the MCU and direct more MCU movies for those guys. Exactly. He's a team player. He's a Marvel player, and and he's at every Marvel premiere, just like you and I. And I see. So he's he's team MCU. I think. I think he'll walk. Here's another question that you have to ask. I mean, Lord and Miller just signed a deal at Universal. Um, are you know? I know that they're developing a, a Spider Verse TV series for Sony Television, but like, are they going to be directly? In, I mean, I'm sure they are going to be directly involved in a Spider Verse sequel. But like, I don't know. With the, with the Universal deal, it makes me question things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I thought about it as well. Lord and Miller, like, if they don't, obviously, Lord and Miller get the IP because they delivered the hell out the, the hell out of that Spider Verse movie, and it was awesome. Perhaps the best. I mean, in my opinion, the well, they won the Oscars for it. Yeah, last year, yeah, the best animated movie of last year and the best one of the best films of last year. So I think if, as a backup, if they go to Lord and Miller creatively, what could we do here? I think it'd be a solid move on Sony's part to keep the IP alive and keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, save it, perhaps save it. I just don't have confidence in that producing team without Feige to execute a good movie. All right, so so what percentage would you do you think is fair? Do you think uh, do you think could get Sony and Disney to to see eye to eye? And is there anything like you know streaming rights to these Spider-Man movies that could go to Disney Plus? Is that could you see that as a potential sweetener in a deal? Doesn't Sony have their own streaming service? They have Crackle, or... right? But like who? Like I don't think Crackle is really part of the streaming wars. Like they're not just they're not acquiring or making content like the others. 
there's there's got to be some problem. Give us a piece of the give us a piece of the merchandising or a piece of the streaming. Or some I mean, Disney has all the merchandising. Be, yeah, I mean, Sony, I, Sony. It's just they're in a pickle right now. It's a difficult situation, man, because it's like Disney's confident. They know that they need Feige and his vision to to help execute the movie to what audiences want. So I know they hold the trunk, but if they have, but Sony has to move on and survive somehow. So the Lloyd and Miller might be an option or bringing in some other creative, uh, like what's it? There's a guy who left Marvel, one of the original parliament members who's out on his own now mm. producing content. I forgot his name. Uh, not Jeremy. I think Jeremy something. Uh, I, it doesn't come okay. to me. He's not, he, he, but he used to be part of the original, he was part of phase one and two, and then he struck out in his own. So maybe, Someone who's come up through the Marvel the Marvel system and the Marvel ranks to help. Well, people like are have questioned whether Nate record. Moore is, is ready, you know, for you know to to lead on his own and to not necessarily be in Kevin's shadow. I don't necessarily see him being necessarily see him in Kevin's shadow. Kevin did. That's the one thing. But about Kevin Marvel gets all the credit. They, right, but Nate did bring. I mean, we all know that Nate brought the project. He fought for it. Uh, we, we listen. We we know yeah. that stuff, but I, I don't know. I don't feel like you know the average person, the average even Marvel fan, like no, knows the name Nate Moore. Um, and I don't know from from what I hear, like he's just like a great executive. And I just wonder, like, if someone could pry him away from Marvel, since it seems to be a, a kind of one man show. I mean, Kevin's like the sole producer on most of these movies, right? But he does defer to the Parliament. He does defer to Alonzo. Right. He Esposito. He's on the, in the inner they circle. All... Yeah, that the inner circle. He all just they have a story meeting and they they go over beats, what works, what doesn't, and stuff. They he, Kevin, it's not my way of the highway either. That parliament, you know, is is, is key. Right, he's part Those of the creatives team. Okay, stuff. yeah. So what gets it done? Seventy thirty, eighty twenty. What is it? I think something along the lines of eighty twenty, seventy thirty, along with some uh, with some other with some other perks. I mean, Sony's got to have some upside. Again, it's their biggest IP. It's the only thing that seems to be working for them. I know. I, mean, I, I get it. But, but, but it's like, to me, Disney's the one that should be sweating here because they're the one that lost Spider-Man. Sony still has Spider-Man at the end of the day. They don't have Kevin Feige, which, which you know, sucks. Right. He's a great architect. But Disney's the one that lost something really tangible on screen. Right. But, so, but Marvel has... Marvel... Marvel could survive without Spider-Man for the next two years and be absolutely fine. Sure, they don't need him for another two, three years. That's when I, if they go back, if they if they go back to the table, I don't. I think this right now because it got really ugly in the press. Mm. Quite frankly, I think there needs to be some distance and some space. And okay, when, so give it some time. Cooler, cooler heads prevail, but right. I think it's closer. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just anything's possible in this crazy business, man. Anything, yeah. uh, anything else you want to talk about with Spider-Man? You want to move on? Spider-Man. Um, I mean, I didn't like Venom at all. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you could see, you could see, you could see uh, Rothman's fingerprints all over it. Like when you, see, you know, like you're a developer, you, you're a writer. Like you, you know, yeah, like when you're watching them, stories. Like, let's say you write it, you write, you write an earlier draft of the script, and then you see the development executive or the studio executive's notes in the movie. Like I hate, I, I can recognize them and see it, and I saw right. all over Venom, so it was hard to enjoy the process. It'd be, co- I mean, it'd be cool. To see them team up, as long as it's done well. I just, but, uh, I, I mean, I, I, think I didn't think Venom was great either, but right. I, I, think, I think it's a mis- Sorry, go on, go on, go on. You, you, you. I think, I think this is it's to be continued. I think this is okay. not the end of it just yet. I, I you? just, I think that Marvel put Spider-Man on on this path, and Sony would really have to try hard to mess that up. 
Um, <laughs> you know, like I'm not saying that they can't. Uh, they've messed up plenty of stuff before. But when people start talking about track records, like it's like Tom Rothman didn't make the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. And I don't think he was really even involved in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. So, uh, like, you know, his his track record as far as Spider-Man goes is good. I'm not going to judge him based on his X-Men past. Uh, <laughs> us older fanboys, us older fanboys are like, eh, that's, the, that's the thing that I, I remember the way he handled X Men. That's why I have cause for concern. He, he, how he handled Spider Man. He was the man, the guy who made the de- this deal, right, with Disney? Uh, or was that I, Pascal? I, was, I forget. That was that was Amy. I remember when you called me like the night the night of. Yeah, I think that Amy. That was Amy. Um, anyways, yeah, was, let's move on to the Matrix Four. Uh, big scoop from our pal Justin Kroll. Lana Wachowski's yes. coming back, and Lana only. Uh, Lily is out, and uh, they've split as far as like being a creative team. And Keanu Reeves and Ke- Carrie Ann Moss are returning. That was the most surprising thing to me. Uh, Morpheus not mentioned. I wonder if they'll end up going younger, casting a younger Morpheus. What did you think? Did this catch you by surprise? It did catch me by surprise because I've heard rumors. I even had dinner with somebody recently. I said, is this even, I asked, is this project even real? It was nowhere on my radar. I wasn't tracking it. Props to Justin for breaking the shit out of it. Um, I love the first Matrix 20 years ago. The last, the, the two that followed did it kind of disappointed, but I mm-hmm. do remember how they ended it. So it's like, I'm just curious like, you know, spoilers, I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it in the last 20 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She dies at the end. Uh-huh. She dies at the end. So it's like, how do they bring her back? I forgot how he went out. How do they bring him back? And obviously, they're going to be older versions of themselves. I mean, this is, a you know, so I'm curious, but I don't think there was that. I mean, because it broke on the day that held the Spider-Man. Right. I don't think there was that much interest in it. It did okay for us traffic-wise at the rap and even at Heroic Hollywood as well. I just don't know. I mean, it's 20 years later. I mean, I I think you could make a really interesting Matrix movie these days, considering it feels like we're living in the Matrix now with all, like, the Cambridge Analytica, Facebook stuff, and I don't know, social media is totally different. Like, the world is is totally different than it was uh, back when the first Matrix came out. So I think that, you know, you could have a lot of fun with that IP. Um, I'm glad to see uh, at least one of the Wachowskis back. Um, I just I I would have been interested in maybe a completely fresh story with a different one, so to speak. You know, me too. I agree with you there. I would have, you know, like a, a new set of heroes. To, to yeah, I know Keanu's Keanu. super hot right now. I can't yeah, really awesome. I can't really blame yeah. them for for saying, oh no, let's bring Keanu back because like obviously he's a movie star again. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I just a, a reboot would have been preferred than like the Matrix Four. Right. If I want to see Keanu do a movie, it's the one that I that I love with his when I graduated high school. I want to see him do the sequel to Point Break. <laughs> Hell yeah, bring back Johnny Utah. No, I, the answer is Speed Three. I'm burnt out. Speed Three. I'm speed. carrying the torch. I've got an idea. Uh, speed Three. I remember Speed One was awesome. He's had a storied career, man. I, get, I mean, he and even Feige's tried to get him in Marvel. Every Marvel. Oh, movie he's going to. Be, I think he's something. definitely going to be in a Marvel movie soon. Don't you? I, I, I mean, Kevin Feige's been trying for years. I just wonder which one will it end up being that he finally signs on for. It, I know? think he'd be like a great big big bad, like the next like Thanos, Josh Brolin type. That would be interesting. He doesn't play a villain That'd enough. Um, he doesn't know. He's... Uh, sticking with Warner Brothers, uh, Chad Stahelski coming in to beef up the action on Birds of Prey as second unit director. What do you make of this one? Well, uh, okay, so first-time filmmaker – 
okay? Usually at the studio level, when they do involve set pieces, have a second unit director, like a John Bradley type, like when, they did, when, he, did, uh, when he did all the Bourne movies with Greengrass, same thing here. Um, the guy that they originally had, okay, the guy that they originally had wasn't available. So, of course, Chad stepped up to, like, I don't think all these movies, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think, all, you know, it's a sign that the movie's in trouble. As we all know, all these movies go through reshoots and pickups and additional photography. Avengers Endgame went through, like, two sets of additional photography before the movie came out, and it was fine. Nobody mm-hmm. said anything. But when it comes to DC, if there's reshoots or additional photography, oh! People freak out, right? DC... Yeah, DC, DC stands freak out. Say, oh, there's a problem with the movie. What's going on? And no, I don't necessarily think there's a problem. If there's a, like they saw probably a cut. There's like, we, this is what we could use. Like they do with all movies these days. And they went to the best guy for it. But 8711 was already contracted to do the action and right. to do the second unit photography before Chad came on board. It's just Chad had an availability schedule. The other second unit director, I forgot his name, wasn't. So Chad probably stepped up and got his fee and will make a kick-ass movie. I know it tested well. I did hear that. You yeah, know, so I, I think I it, guess, Birds of Prey is going to be cool, and I refri- f- uh, refuse to call it the rest of the goddamn name. The fabulous, uh, uh, whatever the hell it is, yeah, of Harley Quinn. I'm out on that. I'm out on that parenthetical. No, no next year is the year of the female. A lot of female-centric, female-driven properties um, coming out. But yeah, yeah. That, that director, uh, Kathy Ann, right? She she had done uh, Dead Pigs, um, which was like you know a very small indie movie at Sundance. Um, so she didn't have you know a ton of experience with with the action. Uh, I, I don't think it's like crazy to bring in someone as experienced as Chad Stahelski, who has really like made a a mark with his you know his prowess for visuals. Um, I just think you know they're trying to make the best movie that they can. Optics be damned. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, these kind of movies, these these kind of temples. All these movies, quite frankly, action movies in general, have a second unit director doing all the kick-ass action stuff, whether it's Bond, whether, I mean, Nolan's the only guy who does his own action, but whether it's Matrix or Bond or even or even uh, the Marvel movies, there's always a second unit guy doing right. the, like, the action. Like That's what they do. That's what they're there for, you know? Right. So I mean, Sam Mendes is, think, is a theater director, you know, but his, his Bond movies, are, you know, still rock. Uh, or at least one of them. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, okay, sticking with DC then, uh, Joker 2. Todd Phillips keeps talking about a, a possible sequel. I hope that this is not true. That was kind of one of the things that we were sold on, was that Joaquin was, was only going to do one movie, uh, and, and he was going to go out in a blaze of glory, so to speak, or whatever. Um, do, I mean, do you want a sequel to Joker? Do, do you I, believe him? I have, to see the, I have to see the first one. To, you know, I'll see it soon to make my judgment on that. You know, but uh, I, I'm picturing Joker as like an Elseworlds title or something. Like basically, DC Comics. I mean, they have a black label or something that's not in the continuity. They could, you know, so that doesn't have to be part of the main story. Like uh, I'll give you an example: Batman's going to the city of Bane story arc right now, but then there's this Batman Last Night on Earth. That's a different story that has nothing to do with the continuity. So I thought I see this Joker as a hybrid. Uh, a movie hybrid of of, of, uh, of a, dark, a black label title. So the only thing that's causing concern for me as a fanboy is that, you know, when you go out there and publicly say that you ignored the last 80 years of the character's history and stuff, that's, you know, and then you want to do your own take. I get it. It's cool, but there's got to be some faith. 
to the uh, to the character's origins. But I'm I'm excited for it. I mean, I just keep hearing good things about it. I think the, it just got rated R. It's going to TIFF. It'll be at Venice next Saturday. Um, I'm excited to see it and give it a shot and see see what I like and what I don't like. But I have you know, Top Toad's a gifted filmmaker, and I did happen through sourcing see uh, additional stills like mm-hmm. photography stills or whatnot, and it looks incredible. Like it looks like it looks like basically the Mean Streets and King of Comedy version of a Martin Scorsese superhero movie. And listen, I I think it looks great too. I think it looks great. Uh, capital G. But Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, none of those movies had sequels. And I feel like for this to really have the sort of devastating impact that I'm hoping that it does, I'm not hoping that it, it's, it's something that is you know set up for sequels. Probably not, given what, and what we know so far about Arthur Fleck or Joaquin's character and what he goes through and stuff. He, you know, if he becomes a bad guy, I don't see how he survives at the end. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm, I'm just I'm going to give it a shot. And see what it is, but they made it cheap enough that if it's very profitable, I'm pretty sure they'll want a sequel of some sort. Sure, so. although I think it should just serve as a model to do, you know, other villain type movies uh, like that for fifty, sixty million dollars. Um, Seventy-five is what I've been hearing. Oh, for Joker, yeah, him maybe, maybe it came a little bit more expensive than it was originally budgeted for. Um, yeah. What's next? Uncharted. Uncharted. Is this movie cursed? It has lost another director, Dan Trachtenberg. This is on the heels of losing four or five other directors, including like David O. Russell. Sean Levy was going to do it at one point. Um, who comes in to direct this? What does Dan Trachtenberg go on to next? Have you heard anything behind the scenes about why he walked? Because we thought this was like his dream job. So I got tipped off yesterday morning about it. Uh, doing my, you know, like we go in, we do our rounds, you ask guys, hey, what are you hearing? So I got tipped off in the morning. I reached out to Sony. I didn't hear back until after Fleming broke, mm-hmm. you know, because you know how it is. Like if you have something first or have something first, the studio protects us or there's an even break or whatnot. But I got tipped off in it. I wasn't surprised. I, my opinion was Tom Holland is having a really bad week at Sony, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, I'm a PC gaming guy, and it's a and this is a PlayStation game that I wish I I, I I want I just don't have the time I want to get into it like the whole series and it looks cool and it's like a Indiana Jones type movie and whatnot. I mean, it's it's probably it's it probably came down to vision and or budget. Like Dan is getting a lot of rave reviews that I haven't seen it for the boys the pilot that he did. Uh-huh. So he's got some he's got some heat on that, and the boys is apparently the best thing Amazon's put out. So I'm excited to see that after I finish Mindhunter. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't know if it's curse or whatnot. It's just I, I have a feeling Tom is being very strict with because again, this is an IP that has potential for them to break out, right. maybe break the video game curse. Uh, so it could it could be another National Treasure. It could be another in the, you know Raiders of the Lost Ark. It could be a franchise. So I'm, I think they're heavily vested and they have a vision for it. And these directors. You know, most of the time when they get hired on these kind of movies, they're nothing more than glorified cinematographers more t- than anything. They glorified DPs. R- so I think Dan, yeah. Right. Everything's already storyboarded. I, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who they find to replace Dan Trackenberg. I mean, I, again, I don't know if it's if it is that kind of job where they can just hire anybody. If not, I mean, Travis Knight was a runner up for Venom 2. I think he'd kind of be perfect for this movie off of Bumblebee. Uh, so I hope that they're yep. looking at him. But if I was Tom Holland, man, I wonder if he can slip out of this. Like, uh, you're already probably a little mad at Sony for, you know, bungling, taking you out of the MCU or whatever. Not that they did that, but um, I, I just I wonder if Tom is could just throw up his hands and be like, listen, I'm out. 
if he, I don't know the contract or what it is he signed. If they signed him and he's locked down, then he's going to have to do it regardless of who directs it. You right. Know? Unless he, unless he does have an escape clause in his contract, and I'm pretty sure his team put something in there for him if he doesn't like the director that he has to meet. Right. Like I was investigating it, and then and then it broke, and we immediately followed right after deadline because I had the story ready to go. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not surprised. I mean, I broke like one of my first scoops when I launched Royal Hollywood was Sean Levy directing this, and then it's just been it's just been it's just been a turnaround of, of it's like director like director. Uh, yeah, like I don't know, is it the director- producers? Like part of Fleming's story was like about how. Uh, you know, Sony PlayStation Studios is coming on to produce. I'm like, oh, that that doesn't bode well. That doesn't. No, another another set of executives to deal with on top of dealing with Avi Arad <laughs> right. and his team. You know, right? So, that's an Arad movie. Oh my god. Yeah, so there might be this might be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen, and directors don't usually like that. You know. Yep. Okay. A um, couple of pickups this week. Fox Searchlight picked up uh, the David Copperfield movie starring Dev Patel. I've heard good things about this movie. Uh, I don't know if you've caught any buzz on that one. Um, no, I haven't. And I, then yeah, I'm, I'm fat. fanboy lines got me busy. That's all good. I yeah. get it. HBO Max also yeah. picking up Steven Soderbergh's next uh, movie with Meryl Streep. Uh, it's just interesting to see you know the Warner Media service start buying films now, um, not just like developing you know upping development at HBO on the TV side, but actually acquiring stuff. Um, a couple of Blumhouse movies moved up two weeks. What did you make of those moves? I think it was Fantasy Island and Invisible Man. Did you pay attention to that? Universal's always sending out like release date shifts on like a weekly basis, so it doesn't surprise me. But uh, Fantasy Island, I'm interested in, you know, for sure. And uh, I mean, with what they had to deal with the Hunt, which I think will eventually come out, uh-huh. you know, maybe on a, in a movie or on a streaming service or something. Uh, yeah, what I mean, there's always date shifting. What did you think of that? Did you yeah. think that that was like a, the only call Universal could make? Was it a, a justified call? Or are you the kind of guy who's like, listen, this is a movie and it has nothing to do with those events, and you know, like there's never, there's just never a good time for for a movie like that. Yeah, no, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. They, I don't, I don't think they should have caved, especially to this president like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And gave to Fox News, and I think they should have just stuck with their guns. I mean, it was a movie that didn't really have that much attention to begin rough, with. Rough saying. So now, <laughs> you know, so now they brought all this attention to this movie. They made it cheap enough. But I don't see how it's not profitable when it's eventually released because everyone's just be. Let's see what the big deal is. What's 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 the controversy about? You know, it sounds hilarious. You know, liberals going up against conservatives. Yeah, I, th- I was really excited for it. I thought it looked good. So I, it was unfortunate the Universal. Uh, decided to delay it, but you know, also also understandable in this really sensitive political climate that we live in. Everything is too sensitive these days. My goodness, you're telling you me. Um, particularly yeah. sensitive is all this Annapurna drama, uh, and we don't have to get into it too much. But it, it looks like you know Larry Ellison, her father's coming to the rescue, and they're going to strike a deal with the banks, and you know, they're, they're, he's going to let his daughter save face in town. I don't think he's going to let her just sort of slink away the defeated billionaire. You know what I mean? No, I get it. And and Larry's got the good. He has good relationships with banks where they the banks know they can make money with him on other ventures and stuff. But again, what does Annapurna, I mean, God bless them for financing, you know, thought provoking films. They don't have any IP either other than like getting involved with Bond. If you want to survive in today's theatrical landscape, you need some sort of branded IP. So you don't think that there's any room for these indie distributors like an A24? I mean, A24 doesn't have IP. Uh, Neon doesn't have IP. That's like sort of the whole point. You got to try to create IP. 
even though indie but, films don't really generate that sort of thing. They're having they're, these films are not audiences are just not turning out for these things, man. It's just it's really it's, it's it's disturbing on one hand, but it's like it's still at the end of the day a business, and they gotta keep, you know, they mm-hmm. gotta get asses and seats, and the seats and the seats are kind of empty i mean look everybody you know that's like i think brett lang said it on twitter the other day uh there was a, a what's the movie that was that was at a bidding war last week uh bidding war at sundance yet yeah, this uh, uh britney runs sundance bidding blinded, blinded by the light yeah. blinded by the light there you go so tomorrow tonight uh yesterday's sundance bidding war is tomorrow's box office bomb yeah you know, it's just it's it's weird in the indie sector right now so it's like why would you go out and pay for these movies? And Late Night was another one when you could just see them on these streaming services for free or in the comfort of your own home. I think the the mid-range movie, the 20 to $40 million adult you know, mid-range drama has changed dramatically. And oh, like, sure. Now it's a ten. Now it's a five ten million dollar movie. Um, like the middle has totally been cut out. And, and to me, that was the problem with Annapurna is that they were still making these mid-budget movies for the mid-budget of like the nineties. And and something like Vice, which A twenty four might have made for like fifteen million dollars, cost sixty million dollars at Annapurna. That's insane. No, I get it, and it's like, but they also have a lot of executive turnaround. How do you lose Mark Weinstock, who's a marketing genius? He put, he's mostly responsible for the success of Deadpool, the first Deadpool, with all the clever marketing of it. I mean, they had a lot of I mean, a lot of people that I know that worked there. Don't want to work at the company. I, I do feel you like it, it's different when you're reporting to Donna Langley or Alan Horn, and when you're reporting to like a billionaire heiress. Yeah, no, absolutely. A lot of good executives have have left again there's a lot of turnover i don't even know if they're they're functioning with a skeleton staff at the moment but you know they have to figure out a game plan and stick to it i mean i don't think right. the father would fail her. they're gonna they're gonna have to be very she's got good taste don't get me wrong she's she, she does really, she uh but there are definitely some some head scratchers where i was just like who ever thought that this was going to make money no exactly she she has to be she has to find the common ground between her artistic taste and profitability and keep maintaining a company, keeping the lights on, quite frankly. Right. Well said. How do you burn? Yeah. How do you burn through all that cash? You know, you got to make, you got to make sound decisions and stuff. I I don't think like, I don't think they should have given up hustlers, you know, to STX. Oh, hustlers is looking like it's going to be a hit tracking for $24 million opening. People are excited. You got Lizzo, you got Cardi B, JLo, man. Yeah. And all those ladies, because they they can market that movie on their social media platform. Right. I'm psyched. I'm psyched to see hustlers. You know, see J Lo be a cha cha again. Me like too. Around the way, girl. I'm you rooting know, so for I'm, a little STX Renaissance here in September because they also have that Chadwick Boseman movie, Twenty One Bridges. Uh, that looked good. I saw that trailer coming. But see, there's another you, good thing you bring up STX. There's another one who you know they're struggling as well. All these little. Many players or many majors, are, they're like going through some tough times right now. Mm-hmm. Not just Annapurna. STX is fighting for survival. So hopefully Hustlers will work out for them. Um, Do you think Rambo is going to work for Lionsgate? I don't know. I'm curious personally. I want to see it. But it's like, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a Millennium movie. You know, so it might ratchet up the gore. I mean, I trust the loan. It's going to, it's coming out of what? It's going to premiere in Venice, I think, uh, or some other film festivals. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll know in like another week when the tracking comes out three weeks beforehand. I think it'll, you know, if they made it for a price, it could, it could work, you know? Okay. See, to see, see 75 year old Rambo go up against a young Mexican drug cartel. Like, right, <laughs> well, <I'm> just, <laughs> yeah. Stallone still <laughs> got it. 
hey, if Nick Nolte is, is winning me over an angel has fallen, you know, he can, I'm sure he can too. Um, did you see Angel has fallen, by the way? No, but my executive editor who runs my site has and said it was a good popcorn movie. It was a good time at the movie. It was. I, I haven't. I, yeah, I haven't seen. Uh, I, I feel bad for uh, for Gerard Butler. His house burned down in the fire here in Malibu last year, so he's got you know he's got he's got bills to pay like anybody <laughs> else. But you know, I, I I wish he would have made better choices. Like he just decided to like just be go to Millennium's guy and do like I mean he did a movie. What's that movie that that Christian Gutegas? Den of Thieves, Den of Thieves. Yeah, that, that yeah, was a hit. I like Den of Thieves. That's supposedly that getting a sequel. But here, here's the thing that I've heard about Jerry Butler. People, By the way, people listening don't like that I call him Jerry. <laughs> They're like, oh, who is this dickhead uh, calling him Jerry? Anyways, Jerry Butler, uh, I'm told he's like, you know, he takes up too much of the budget. And so they can't get him like big co-stars. Like Point Break, you know, Edgar Ramirez, who's a star. And, you know, who was probably, like, better in that movie than Gerard Butler was, but, like, not a box office draw. Uh, Den of Thieves, who's the villain? Pablo Schreiber, you know? It's like not – he was he was good. I like Pablo Schreiber, not a name. And it's because no, they I can't know, afford a name because he's taking up, you know, he, he will never, like, lower his, his quote. And I'm a fan of Pablo, man. I'm a fan of, like, these, like, journeyman actors like Pablo Schreiber. He was good in that and also in uh... – 13 hours he was pretty awesome he was also as fuck in that movie uh james badge dale max martinis he's like journeyman tough guy actors yeah holt mccallany from precipice. yeah from holt, Hunter. yes i'm so i'm so happy like my girlfriend is a behavioral analyst she's a behavioral science analyst that's what she used to do at oh. scotland yard and she actually worked at quantico is this, this the, like is this the blonde woman i've seen you with at screenings umberto yeah. both, yes it both is. of us working out with blondes wow uh okay yeah, okay uh, She's a behavioral analyst, former New Scotland Yard, run a homicide girl. prevention unit. Yeah, very smart. Gets in my head sometimes. I'm like, that's what she used to do. So this is like, Mindhunter is like the origin of the BSU unit. So it's like, it's interesting to see. Okay. But Holt is another one. He he, did, he Remember when he had that show on FX called Lights Out? He was awesome in that. Yeah, I, d- I didn't actually watch that one. But, uh, but yeah, I heard good things about it. Um, I'm happy for Holt. I'm watching it just because of Holt and the storyline he has with his son right now. I'm, like, I'm a big fan of those kind of guys. James Batchdale, who was wasted in the kitchen, but he still did his, he, he still right. did his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, Pablo Schreiber. Any, any other movies that you saw this week? You didn't catch the, the new releases like Ready or Not or, or Britney Runs a Marathon, have you? No, the last movie I saw, I think, was... Avengers that came on the plane, but uh, <laughs> not, I just haven't. I just haven't had the time, man. It's like you know, we gotta. I run aside, and I got this job I gotta do, and then I got time with the girlfriend. Like, what? The Kitchen was the last movie I saw. Sure, sure, I get it. For, we got a few more minutes left. Yeah, left uh, in this one, um, did you catch the Motherless Brooklyn trailer? Yes, actually, that looks actually good. I mean, you know, it's been a minute since we've seen Ed Norton in something other than trolling Marvel, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I'm I'm in, I'm interested to see you know it's got it looks good I saw it yesterday I was like all right cool this could work you know so I, I mean I'm I, I dig those kinds of movies I, I, the the thing that you know his character has Tourette's I think is going to be interesting like the reaction to that um, yes. didn't I, you know I'm a huge Radiohead fan they're probably like my favorite band not sure that that new Tom York song went with the trailer think that they're going to probably have to cut a more sort of macho trailer like a gangster squadish you know just like a, with a yeah. little bit more energy because it was very radio heady and dreary 
Um, okay. So I, I didn't love the trailer, but I am excited for that movie because I do uh, worship Ed Norton. Think he's amazing. Um, yes. Bunch of trailers this week, though. There was one for Adam Driver's two Adam Driver ones, uh, Marriage Story. Where you see the dual perspectives from him and Scarlett Johansson, and then there was the report, uh, which was the big uh, Amazon uh, Sundance pickup. Um, those are cool. Bombshell. Okay. See that trailer with uh, Nicole Kidman and and God Charlize Theron just disappearing into that role of Megan Kelly. Yes, that I did see. I was doing cardio. I was like, wait, that's not Charlize Theron. Did she put contacts on or something? That, that, what does she do? She that's Megan Kelly. It's you crazy. Um, and apparently yeah. the person who did her makeup is the same makeup artist who did uh, who, who turned Gary Oldman into Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour. So that wow. could be a real makeup uh, Oscar potential uh, on that one. But I, again, I didn't love the trailer. It's just it just wasn't enough for me. Um, and, and Bombshell, I don't know if I like the title either. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if audiences are still up for like, I mean, I don't think uh, the Russell Crowe. Did you watch it? Where he. No, I didn't, but I don't think it did well, so I don't know if there's still an appetite for that kind of movie. It was great. It is uh, hard to watch people just getting sexually harassed, <laughs> you know, for like <laughs> two hours, let alone seven hours. Um, I thought that the Ailes series that Showtime did was fantastic, and Russell Crowe was brilliant, but... And I've heard John Lithgow's really good as Ailes in, in this movie. I mean, all-star cast, I just, I don't know, Jay Roach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, Jay, Jay Roach is a dope filmmaker, and you know you got Nicole Kidman, you got Margot Robbie, and and Charlize. I want to see. I, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. I know my lady would want to see that one too, so I'm in. I'm Kristen sold. Stewart had a new trailer for this movie, Underwater, that looked kind of like crazy. Uh, Antlers. Yeah. Scott Scott Cooper dropped a, a new trailer for a very creepy movie with Kerry Russell and and Jesse Plemons. Um, yeah, it's a good good week for trailers. So even the morning show, the Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell Apple series, looks kind of interesting. And they're they're they announced this week that they're probably going to do uh, nine ninety nine a month for Apple TV, uh, and there may be some kind of a free trial or whatever. Are you planning to subscribe to that one, Umberto? I'm definitely getting in on the Disney Plus for sure. Sure. Uh, let me. See, I want to see. I mean, we're, we're, there's so many things we're, that we're subscribing to. My goodness. I know it's crazy. Uh, it's like, do, first of all, do you do you have cable or are you a cord cutter? I'm a cord cutter, man. I'm strictly a fiber optic guy. Me cord too. Cutter using the using the apps on the on the widescreen TV. But just, doesn't it so feel awesome. like you're paying for cable all over again with all these subscription services? Yes. It's insane. It, indeed, it is. Yes, we're in, we're now in the we're now in the streaming wars for sure. Yeah. Right. It is. It's like a la carte, which is nice. Like that kind. Of, you know, the freedom. But that freedom is going to cost you a hundred and five dollars a month or whatever. Yeah. When all is said and done, for sure. But uh, no, I'm definitely a cord cutter, and I'll, I'll see what else Apple. I want to see what the Chris Evans show is on Apple. Is all about. So when I see what else they have, I'll probably end up signing for it. I'm okay. a PC guy. I'm not really a Mac guy or, or Apple product guy. You know, gotcha. So, any uh, any yeah. pieces over at the wrap you want to hype? Anything you're working on you want to tell us about or interviews coming up? Uh, I'm a big GI. I'm a big Snake Eyes fanboy, so I've been aggressively tracking the Snake Eyes movie that's going over at Paramount. And this morning, I mean, we all evenly broke uh, Henry Golden playing Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. And now broke his brother Storm Shadow. I broke that this morning. Oh, who's and, playing know, Storm so. Shadow? Uh, he's his name is Andrew Koji. He's uh, he's a headliner on Warrior, the new Cinemax series. Which oh, I hear okay. Is awesome and, he's, and he's good in it. Uh, I'm hearing some really interesting names for some of the other roles. But the thing about that's that's cool that that movie is making a huge diversity push. It's going to take place in Japan, and they're hiring all up and comers like Andrew, 
and Henry. And so that's refreshing to see people of color getting shots up in, in branded IP and in, in leading roles and stuff. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's Paramount's. You know, they they have IP too that they mm-hmm. got to put out there. You know, there's only so many Transformers movies they can make, but they also have the GI Joe universe as well to explore. And I hope they do it. Like I think it could be like an Avengers or or like a Born Ultimatum if they execute it right. And I initially read the first draft of the Snake Eyes script, so it's positive and it basically gives the characters origins and stuff and how he leads into GI Joe. So and, and they beefed it up since then. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, they start production in September, so that's when I'm personally excited for. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, well, we can find your, your scoops and stuff over on therap.com. And then you also have heroichollywood.com. Uh, lots of fun stuff for uh, fanboys over there. Uh, where can everyone else find you, Umberto? Yes, you can. we just did a redesign of Heroic Hollywood, which launched the day Comic Con started. So that's cool. Uh, give it a big overhaul, facelift. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at El Mayimbe or on Instagram. Adam Berta Gonzalez, and the same way on Facebook, Adam Berta Gonzalez, or you can email me, uh, go to Hurl College, which is about page, and tip me off that way as well. So, I'm around. <laughs> you can tip either <laughs> of us off, you can tip both of us off at the yes. same time, whatever you want to do, folks. Uh, I, 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 before I sign off, I just want to... Uh, promote my up-and-comer of the month piece. It was a very tough call this month. A lot of uh, good young talent out there. Ashley Franciosi in uh, in The Nightingale, Kelvin Harrison in Loose. But I ended up going with Mark O'Brien, who is great as Jimmy Ryan on City on a Hill, and he's also the lead in Ready or Not, which is in theaters this weekend. Uh, I liked Ready or Not on the whole. Didn't love the end, um, but it's, it's a fun genre movie, so check that out. Um, that'll do it for the Snyder Cut episode 5 thank you for joining us Umberto you can find uh, this podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify all that good stuff and you can follow me on Twitter Instagram Cameo and at the Insnyder everybody have a wonderful weekend Umberto take care my brother thank you later Stella Chico Pitbull Mr. 305 better said Mr. Worldwide you already know what it is listen to my new podcast from negative to positive subscribe today now part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives change the things that are within their power I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you feed your whole crew with KFC let's go I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know that's fire now Babo you know that you could get that mac and cheese that mashed potato gravy those biscuits, now that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.